The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Cleveland Clinic, ranked number one in the nation in heart care, 24 years in a row, according to U.S. News and World Report. More information is available at clevelandclinic.org slash rankings. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, August 28th. In today's news, President Trump claims victory in trade negotiations with Mexico. The father of Molly Tibbetts rebukes people who are politicizing his daughter's murder. And the president has turned John McCain's death into another political firestorm about himself. But first, the big idea. The swamp keeps getting swampier. A damning new Inspector General's report released Monday concludes that the head of the General Services Administration may have misled Congress about President Trump's hands-on role in scuttling plans for a new FBI headquarters outside of Washington. The report from the independent government watchdog says GSA officials also misrepresented the costs of their replacement plan to build a new headquarters in downtown D.C. by making it seem as though it would cost less than the original plan when it would actually cost more. The report says Aaron Murphy, the Trump appointee who runs the agency, which manages all federal real estate, gave, quote, incomplete answers to questions from lawmakers. It turns out that Murphy met twice with Trump, White House Chief of Staff John Kelly, and Budget Director Mick Mulvaney to discuss the FBI project. But when she was asked by a congressman under oath three months later whether the president or anyone else at the White House was involved in discussion about the new headquarters, she responded by saying there had been some consultation with the budget office, but, quote, the direction that we got came from the FBI. Notably, White House lawyers ordered her and other GSA appointees not to answer questions from investigators about precisely what Trump said during the meeting. But to Murphy, the takeaway was clear. The J. Edgar Hoover building would be demolished to make way for a new headquarters on the same site, and some FBI personnel will be relocated out of the Washington area. Now, this is significant because the FBI headquarters is very close to the Trump International Hotel, which not coincidentally is on land that the president's company leases from the GSA. The FBI staying downtown as opposed to moving out into the D.C. suburbs could have a direct positive impact on Trump's bottom line. So the president would have had a personal financial incentive to intervene. This is exactly the kind of subject you should expect Democrats to launch formal investigations into if they win control of the House. There were two other stories that popped yesterday which highlight the Trump administration's coziness with big business and big banks. The top student loan watchdog at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau resigned in protest over Trump's policies towards student borrowers. Seth Frotman wrote in a scathing letter that he would leave his position as student loan ombudsman at the end of the week. He's held the position since 2015, and he's been at the Bureau since 2011. He wrote to Mick Mulvaney, the Bureau's acting director, quote, Unfortunately, under your leadership, the Bureau has abandoned the very consumers it is tasked by Congress with protecting. Instead, you have used the Bureau to serve the wishes of the most powerful financial companies in America. Among his charges is that the Bureau squashed the publication of data showing that banks are ripping off college students with legally dubious debit card fees. Frotman's deputy resigned alongside him. Also, a top Trump appointee at the Interior Department, who has been cheerleading the push to expand oil and gas production on public lands, has left her post to take a senior job in BP's lobbying shop. 
former Deputy Chief of Staff Downey Magalanes, served as a top advisor to Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke from the time he took over the department last year. Her portfolio has included policy as well as operations, which encompassed a major push to expand oil, gas, and mining on public lands and in federal waters. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, the Trump administration announced it has reached a standalone 16-year trade deal with Mexico that it hopes can supplant NAFTA. White House officials say the agreement, which is centered largely on manufacturing and autos, would help American workers by making it harder for countries like China to ship cheap products through Mexico into the United States. Several trade experts note that many of the provisions in Monday's agreement are almost identical to what was in Barack Obama's Trans-Pacific Partnership, a deal Trump pulled out of the first day he took office. This new deal, which Trump's own administration describes as a preliminary agreement in principle, also still faces high hurdles because it needs to be approved by the U.S. Congress and in Mexico. Trump would have to formally submit any new deal to Congress, which would have 90 days to take an up or down vote. And what lawmakers are willing to approve on Capitol Hill may have a lot to do with how talks go with Canada. Canada's foreign minister is in Washington today for negotiations, and there's some dispute about whether or not Canada will try to join this new deal with Mexico. Mexican leaders insist that Canada must be included in any deal. Number two, the father of a 20-year-old woman who was allegedly murdered by an undocumented immigrant shared his positive feelings toward Iowa's Hispanic community in a eulogy at his daughter's funeral. His comments stand in stark contrast to the heated political debate about immigration as it relates to his daughter Molly's death, including from the president himself. Rob Tibbetts said, quote, The Hispanic community are Iowans. They have the same values as Iowans. He added, As far as I'm concerned, they're Iowans with better food. That line drew applause from the crowd of more than 1,000 people at Molly's funeral. Number three, Trump has turned John McCain's death into another political firestorm about himself. When McCain passed away on Saturday, the flags over state buildings were flown at half staff per longstanding Washington protocol. But first thing Monday morning, the flag over the White House was back at full staff. Detractors, including the American Legion, interpreted this fleeting tribute as a sign of Trump's pettiness toward John McCain. The flag was back at half-staff on Monday afternoon after the president issued a statement offering grudging respect for McCain. The muted statement came after an emotional news conference in Phoenix at which McCain's longtime advisor Rick Davis read a farewell statement that the late senator had written before he died. It contained a thinly veiled critique of the president. We weaken our greatness when we confuse our patriotism with tribal rivalries that have sown resentment and hatred and violence in all the corners of the globe. We weaken it when we hide behind walls rather than tear them down, when we doubt the power of our ideals rather than trust them to be the great force for change they have always been. Trump aides say the president will not attend McCain's funeral or memorial services in Washington. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, August 28th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.